You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew LeDrew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series, a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. You're listening to the Write Project podcast and radio program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew. Welcome to a very special episode of the Write Project Podcast. Today, we've got a host of authors on to answer one of the most frequent questions that's asked of any author. We're asking them, what are the ethics of writing about real-life historical figures? Are there any things around that that we should consider? And today to answer, we have on Tasha Madison, the author of Fabric of a Generation. Uh, Tasha Madison... Uh, what are the ethics of writing about historical figures? And interpret that however you want. Well, as someone who writes historical fiction, um, I think different writers of historical fiction draw the lines different ways. Um, because I think you do have to balance what is true against uh, what isn't. Um, and by that I mean, you know, I always try to endeavor to write about history in a way that truly reflects how things were during that time. So I, I take great pains to do research about the culture of the time, um, everything from the food, the people, their language, how they interacted with one another, you know, on a uh, political and economic way. Um, I really, you know, a lot of uh, even short areas of my book um, in Fabric of a Generation, I, I had to research quite a lot, especially because a lot of the places Miranda travels to are historically based. Um, and so I try to honor that um, and the historical actors in a way without disrupting how the history truly was. But I also don't feel bound by that as well, um, where history remains silent um, or where there are, are many views of what might have occurred. Um, I definitely feel free to use my creativity to interpret that in any way that I want or where comments has to rule, you know, you know, if. There was no technology for life, but the character has to see. I mean, you have to, I think there's ways to do it in a way that doesn't disrupt the history, that is still respectful of that history without feeling cap captured by having to remain true to it in a way that prevents you from writing something in a way that is literary. Um, so I definitely try to respect it um, and be mindful of it, do research of it, to incorporate it in throughout my story um, so that it is well represented, um, but I don't feel trapped by it. Okay. That's cool. That's a really good answer. I think it's tough because I, I think, you know, one of the things for me personally, because I do do so much research, uh, you know, because I conduct so much research in, you know, trying to tell the story as accurately as possible. Um, I think for me, at least, I have to constantly tell myself, this is a work of fiction. It's not a history book. Um, and I, because I, I think sometimes people are like, oh, everything was historically accurate about certain novels. And I'm like, well, where do you draw the line? I mean, you have to, as an author, know where to draw the line and say, 
I'm writing a history book. I'm writing a novel. So yes, remain true to the story, but not so much so where it ceases to be literary or you lose your creativity, um, which is why I say I'm not trapped by it. So I try to respect, be respectful of it, um, but I also want to intertwine my creative interpretation of it as well. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Next up, we have Trudy Morgan Cole. In your opinion, uh, what are the ethics or things you should watch out for? What do you consider when writing historical characters, when writing people that really existed? Um, I, when I'm writing people that really existed, uh, I try to keep them to the margins of the story and not make them the main characters because I often feel like I don't know enough about the real people. And I know some people, you know, like Wayne Johnson and others have done a fantastic job with fictionalizing real historical characters. I prefer to create my own fictional characters, set them in a historical setting. And then the real historical people, generally, the more we know about them, the more likely they are to be in the margins of my story. Um, This gets easier when we get to something like my Cupid's trilogy, because it's 400 years ago. And we don't know a heck of a lot about the personalities of even the real people. So like John Guy, we know a bunch of stuff about his life. We don't really know what kind of person he was. So I feel a little freer to invent there. But uh, yeah, I... I, Well, his name is Man Man. Huh? We know his name basically means man, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, and he is almost, yeah, he's almost that kind of a cut out figure. So you can, you can portray a lot onto these fictional or semi-fictional historical characters. But when it comes to real people, and especially with my books that are set in the more recent past, um, like in A Sudden Sun, there are several real historical characters who make brief appearances, uh, but I try to keep them with one exception. They're pretty brief and they're pretty marginal. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Okay. Okay. Yeah. John Guy is uh, such a like, again, what to, like if you're a person who, who who works in the sex industry, what do you call a, a, a client? You call them a John, John. and yeah. Guy is another, it's, their name yeah. is Man Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. Thank you very much. Next we have on Heather Riley, author of the Binding of the Almatraic series, coming soon from Engine Books. Heather Riley, in your opinion, what are the ethics of writing about historical figures? At what point is it okay? Is there a time when it's not okay? Not just, like, ones that you make up, but actual people that yeah. existed. Um, I think that, like, as long as you're... At the beginning, if you say, like, this is not meant to be based on reality, blah, 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 that that kind of sets the reader up for knowing it's going to be fictitious. Yeah. Like Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters or like, you know, Pride yeah. and Prejudice and Zombies. Like, Oh, yeah. So, that's clearly... But that's fic- fiction. Then very clearly fiction. Yeah. But yeah. but uh, stemming something from a real person is kind of like stemming things from an already existing work. Like, people already know what the story is for real. And yeah. then if you're digressing, it depends if you're presenting it as fact or not. It's always weird. There's like um, there's a book I read last year called Art Love Forgery. Uh, and it's about a, a Newfoundland romance that really happened, kind of thing, with an artist who had been in jail for forgery. And he uh, he was by Carolyn Morgan, and he made a deal with the Crown that they would let him out early if they painted this. He painted this massive mural for him, so it basically like worked for his art in exchange for freedom. freedom yeah. yeah. Which is interesting um, and a cool premise. And he ended up falling in love with one of the people who worked at the museum he was doing the mural on. And this book is about that romance. 
and that's very good. To me, that's essentially harmless. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it gets a bit like, uh, is like Disney's Pocahontas yeah. and stuff like that. Don't and get I'm me like, started. Yeah, I mean, like, Disney's Pocahontas is only marginally better than if they made, like, a happy musical about Anne Frank. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And Disney has a way of painting out the ugly truth. <laughs> like that she was 10? And the fact that he was already married. And and the fact that actually none of it happened and they hadn't had a relationship and had barely met. Like, I was watching something about the real story with it. And she had married, like, a like a, like a settler and possibly against her will. But that's neither here nor there. And was taken to the, the old world, basically, and lived there before she... And died of various things before she got back uh, to see her home again. But, like, years after her death, like, the John Smith character, her she had gotten so popular uh, on her tour of Europe that John Smith basically wrote, like, his own fan fiction where she was much older and they'd had a relationship and it was totally hot and everyone loved him. And, like, most of the Disney was based on that scummy fan fiction and it would be like if one of your exes wrote a like or someone you knew in high school not even an ex would be like so if someone you knew in high school wrote a saucy novel about how you and he had a steamy romance and then disney made a movie of that i mean i hope they'd at least take me to do the voiceover (laughs) yeah well you do have a voice that sounds like a like a 10 year old so that's fair thanks yeah (laughs) I can yeah. make myself sound like anything and anyone. No. Yes. Really? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, sound like me. Sound like me. This is me texting on my phone. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, Thank you very much. Next up, we have Andrew Mark Rowe. In your opinion, are there any ethics around writing historical figures? When you're writing about real people or real peoples that existed at one point, is there anything that you should watch out for about that? That's a very interesting question. Um, and in right. no way relevant to your work. So uh, uh, start. Well, it's it's funny. Some of my stuff, they, I, I do, like, the, the fourth wall is shattered in the um, uh, couple of my series. The uh, Like, it's kind of like, so there is a lot of, like, topical um, stuff where, you know, you, you're speaking about. I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer by day, so I kind of know the difference between um to some degree i think i know the difference between um you know what's fair and what you can do that's defamatory and all that kind of stuff one hopes um yeah <laughs> but i mean i think that um i don't know it, it's you know you can put a disclaimer on things i think to some degree and just say that these are you know this is a fictional work put that at the beginning of the book and go go to town i think <laughs> if that's really what you want to do um i mean from an ethical perspective um well it's it's in, like you know it's it's when you're writing historical fiction there's got to be some liberty stake and you got to have like you know i i any kind like i i, I like that show Vikings a lot that uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that on the history channel, but that's like, they take, you know, you can take that and you can compare it to something like the there's assassins creed Valhalla, which is like, takes the same sort of the same stories and like gives you a completely different spin on it. And, you know, one guy's a completely despicable 
figure at one and he's much more relatable in, in another, you know, it's kind of like a, and you know, brings into the question of like, you know, that happened a thousand years ago, closer in time. Is there more, um, you know, if it was somebody who was still alive or somebody who only passed recently, is there more? Um, it's a good question. I, I haven't encountered it too much in my work, put it that way. Okay. All right. All right. I like it. Thank you very much. Next on the line, we have Amanda Labonte, author of the Call of the Sea and Supernatural Causes series. Um, Amanda, what are the ethics of writing about real-life historical figures? Are there any things around that that we should consider? So the legality of it is if they're dead, they're, you, you can't get in trouble. Yeah. Living historical figures are problematic because they're real people. Um, so, so from a legal perspective, like, sure. Um, I think I don't have a problem writing about historical figures. Like I don't tend to do it cause I'm not a history buff, but, um, I don't think I do. Uh, I'm not kind of... Actually, you know what? In steampunk, I probably no. You know what? I'm rewriting history, so I don't have to. Um, I think that the only issue is is to not take somebody else's history yeah. and rewrite it. Like, like you know, the the the, the movie example is um, Back to the Future when they go back in time and rewrite um, Johnny Be Good, like so that rock and roll was invented by a white guy. By a white guy, but and and like that's you know sure let's bring in historical figures and let's bring in historical figures of color and then like let's take away things from them. Doctor Who has to has to walk that line, yeah, because they deal with a lot of historical figures. And I know you haven't watched the the more recent seasons, but um, you know they deal with a lot of historical figures. And there's there's always this like on edge thing where like you, you don't want the doctor doing that kind of thing. Yeah, you don't want it to be a situation where the doctor made it so that, um, you know, a historical figure discovered Parks, something. I believe is the yeah. Example. That was a really good episode. They did that really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Which, think, but like again, that's not my history. So I just look at it and I think, like, you know, the they they, they drew attention to a to a historical figure that um, apparently a lot of people hadn't, particularly outside the states, hadn't paid a lot of attention to which I didn't know because we're in Canada and we do, but apparently like, you know, there were, um, you know, in the UK and stuff, she wasn't as well known and, um, and drew attention to her without taking away what she did. That's good. Like within a fictionalized context. Yeah. Well, I guess the question becomes, it's almost, there's a question, every discipline, like when you get into, um, uh, like, like study, like every discipline has a, question at the core of it that is unanswerable that's difficult um the one for archaeology from my archaeology friends is at what time frame is it not archaeology but grave robbing and i feel like that applies like tabloid this is a gross example but i was really disgusted by it like tabloids printing stuff legally because you can't get sued because he's dead about um Oh God! What was the guy who started in uh, Heath Ledger right after he died? Like a week later, like oh, he had a love child and this and that. To me, that's grave robbing. Like he's not a historical figure yet. Yes, you can legally do this, but you shouldn't. Right. So, at what point do you get far enough away that it's no longer grave robbing writing, but is archaeology writing? 
Also, quick note, Wright Project fans, while I have you, my latest book, As Loved Our Fathers, is on store shelves now. If you're listening to this online, you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate it if you can check it out. It's a hunt for the Holy Grail set in Newfoundland and really examines Newfoundland history. It's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on Newfoundland and Newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show, but I've never really gotten into in my writing. So I'm really interested to see what people think of it. Please give it a check out if you have the ability. writing something that you would be embarrassed for this person's living relatives to read. That is fair. That is a... Like, if you're... Yeah. You're writing a, a historical fiction in Newfoundland set in, like, the 50s or the 60s, and you don't mention Joey Smallwood, that's problematic. Yeah. Because he existed, if, if you're being realistic. But if you mention him in a... But he has lots of living relatives. and Around. Um, like... But you talk about him in a way that, like, is vilifying. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a, I guess it's a compassion thing. Like, it it's is. what you personally can handle from, like, a, like, I would not want to write something that somebody's, like, family could be hurt by. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm doing fiction. I'm not doing, like, a nonfiction, like, like, for the historical record kind of situation. I'm doing... Like where I have to be accurate, and even if somebody did bad things, like it kind of has to go in there. Like I'm not doing that, so for me, um, I, I, it's your comfort level. Yeah, That's but yeah, fair. I get what you're saying. Like, and everyone's yeah. going to respond differently to that. Like to me, even though Joey has um, living relatives, Joey's up for grabs, just like. Nixon is. I mean, Joey's way before Nixon, but nobody has well, a problem sure. and saying with... anything that he did like legitimately is fine. But like, if you're going to then say like, and he was a monster and kicked dogs, and you don't really know that, you're oh gonna, no, like, I would never say that, that kind of stuff. I'm like, you can, yeah, like you legally you're allowed, but like, but why would you? What are you trying to get out of that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Thank you very much. Next, we have Andrew Hawthorne. Currently best known for his work with the CBC as a, as a wonderful journalist, uh, but I know him as the author of Silver and Voices from Mythology from the Rock, the, the best-selling 2021 anthology. Uh, and previous to this, I knew him as the author of Mirror Appendix uh, from Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 54, January 2009, uh, an amazing issue of the original Mirage Comics run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, Andrew Hawthorne, uh, in your opinion, what are the ethics of writing about historical figures, real-life historical figures? What are the ethics of writing about real-life historical figures? Um, gosh, if you're writing fiction, I don't think that there's much in the way of ethics. You can you can do whatever you want with them. They're yours now. They're dead anyway. They don't care. Um, sure. I, I think if you're writing nonfiction that you, you aren't allowed to do that anymore. And, and you, you know, like I'm a journalist and I'm a comic book writer and being a journalist, uh, you, you were writing about historical figures, but the history is still happening when you write about news and being a journalist, isn't like being a normal person because you are granted things by your society. You're granted a platform and you're granted access to be able to tell those stories. 
but things are taken away from you as well. You're not allowed to have political opinions. You're not allowed to engage in politics on a citizen level. And you shouldn't be because we're, the, the, the world is trusting you to be able to give an unbiased truth about what's going on instead of tell us what you think is the good and bad of it. So, that way lies Fox News, and nobody wants right. that. And and lots of and you know it, and you don't even have to go as far as Fox News or something. You don't. Like like everybody is is fighting that battle in themselves because everybody's a normal human being. But it's a serious responsibility to to understand. Like you're you've kind of been pushed outside. Of, and I've spoken to journalists who don't even vote because they feel that that would compromise how they write about the people that they're voting for. And they'll start voting again when they stop being journalists. Um, you know, that's controversial. So if you're writing nonfiction, then I think that there's an immense weight of ethics on you to, to fight against your own inclinations and biases to, to show this. Um, or, or just to be upfront and say, like, you're making an argument. Like, my argument is that Horatio Nelson was an imperialist jerk who hung a guy from a yardarm. Or my argument is Horatio Nelson was the greatest um, uh, admiral in the history of naval warfare. And I'm going to show like, that's fine. One of my favorite historians uh, ever writes completely biased pro Horatio Nelson books that are awesome. They're really good books, but he's very upfront about that stuff. Um, If you're writing fiction though, and you're like, man, I'd really like to make Horatio Nelson a Martian who was just wearing a skin face. Yeah. Uh, then that's cool, and you're allowed to do that. I would love to do that. That sounds great. Do it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Next on the line, we have Dr. Lisa M. Daly, an aviation archaeologist who in the past was one of the editors on Flights from the Rock, a collection of aviation-inspired short stories uh, from Engine Books and uh, now has a novella out in the Slipstreamers series called Navigating Stories, for which she was uniquely uniquely qualified to write, as she is an archaeologist, much like the the lead character Cassidy Kane. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. Lisa Daly, uh, in your mind, what are the ethics around writing about real historical figures? Are there any? Uh, What should you kind of do and not do? That really depends on the context in which you're writing. Uh, If you are writing nonfiction, then you really have an ethical responsibility to portray things as true to history as possible. Um, But at the same time, you have to realize that you have a bias for what's true and what's not. Uh, But for fiction, you can play with that a bit more. So if it comes to an ancient historical figure, then you certainly have much more leniency in how you can portray somebody. You can cherry pick kind of what you want. But if you're looking at something a little more recent, someone who might have, you know, living descendants, um, then I think you really have to be careful in how you portray such a thing and have to be able to back up how you're portraying that historical figure with research. Gotcha. Makes sense. Thank you very much. Next we have Jennifer Shelby, who is an Atlantic Canadian author. 
Uh, you've heard some of her work before. Her uh, her short fiction was featured on an episode of the Right Project podcast, where she allowed us to play it in its entirety, the audio presentation of The Sea Lion, The Witch, and The Universe, to much acclaim. Uh, she's got her own novella out now, the fifth book in the Slipstreamer saga from Engine Book, called Plague of the Dreamless. Uh, Jennifer Shelby, uh, what do you... Do you what are the ethics in your mind of writing about historical figures? Like what responsibility does an author have when doing that? Well, wow. That's a loaded question. I think, I think truth is really important. I once there's a historical figure, um, local to my area. And I, I, I researched quite a bit about her early on and I um, I wanted to sort of the thought in my mind was that I could write a story about her um, but I realized how that would affect the community if if I if I wasn't completely true to what their expectations and that that was a bit too much for me so and really I'm I'm very much more interested in the fantasy so it would have been a bad fit anyway but I think that when you start digging into History. If you're dealing with someone who's not a white man, you there's so many nuances that you you have to sift through because there's a lot of stuff about uh, female, sorry, women uh, historical figures that that's going to be um, sort of swept under the rug that you're not going to see, and you sort of have to address that in some way. And especially if you if you have a person of a different nationality or color or race, then there's so much that history has swept under the rug and, and hidden away that you, you do have to mine, but you're never completely certain of all of the details. So uh, honestly, I, uh, th I find the ethics of that would be very daunting. I don't think that I would personally take that on because that would probably be too constrictive for, for, my creativity um but i think that there's there's a lot to think about and there's a lot of opportunity as well excellent good answer i like that i like that that's very well thought out all right well thanks for coming on again for all of you we'll be here again next week at 4 30 newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in newfoundland hey Thanks for listening to this episode of the Right Project Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody. It helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4 p.m. on CHMR and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2 p.m. with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland publishing. Be sure to check both out. Please tune in, and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.